Hey everybody, this is something a little bit different today. In case you've been wondering maybe why it's been a bit quiet on this podcast, part of the reason is I've been having a podcast affair. Actually, two podcast affairs, by which I mean I have been making my podcast with Jen Carrington again, Letters from a Hopeful Creative, and now a podcast all about all things Substack called The Substack Soiree. So I thought I would share with you an episode of both of those here on this podcast feed so you could have a listen, have a taste if you've not been over to either of those yet and see if you might like those too. So what you're about to hear is the first episode of my Substack podcast called The Substack Soiree with the wonderful Keely Rees, who I will introduce you to in the episode. She and I have taken a deep dive together into our love of Substack and as well as the podcast we have lots of free resources over on, you guessed it, Substack and a Substack class of the same name, the Substack Soiree, which actually is enrolling right now. So if you're looking for the Instagram replacement, if you miss the golden old days of blogging, if you're looking for a place where you can be discovered and grow your audience in the thousands right now by writing and creating whatever it is you want to put out into the world, I cannot recommend Substack enough. And I would love you to listen to this episode, to come over and hang out and play around with us. And maybe if it's for you, you might want to join us in the class. I'll put links to everything I've just mentioned in the notes here within the podcast app. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Speak to you soon. Now, like things like Substack give us that and it's a beautiful gift. It's so rewarding. It allows us to really dive into what we're creating and make everything so much richer and build community but it also is very confronting and it makes complete sense like nothing has gone wrong if these things are showing up for you the perfectionism and the fear and the worry because like this is a whole new landscape and that's kind of why we're putting these values out there as guidance for people who are navigating it and feeling maybe a little bit lost. Hi, Keely. Hi, Sarah. It is our first podcast episode together. Well, the second time we've tried recording it, though, but yeah, first it is, episode. It is which our makes it, yeah. second first podcast together because the first one we were interrupted by rural French Wi Fi issues. Hello to everyone who will be listening for the first time. If this is your first time meeting us, we should probably introduce ourselves, Keely. So I'm Sarah, um, and you might find me online under me and Orla. I'm a photographer podcaster, author, writer, um, and I teach people about how to use social media to tell their stories. Keely? That was so lovely and succinct. I think you need to like teach people how to do like intros because they're really hard and you just nailed that. That's like um, 10 years of practice. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. So yeah, hi everyone. I'm Keely. I'm a writer and a storyteller and um, for the last few years I've been ghostwriting uh, and copywriting for other brands and I've just started to put work out there under my own name I'm on Substack um at the moment under what I wish I'd said instead but it's going to be changing to secret gardens and I want to create work that helps people tell the stories that they want to tell um, because I really I believe that stories are one of the most powerful things we have and that's kind of what brings us together that love of storytelling mm-hmm. that love of the digital space and um I think we share an awful lot of the same values and 
strength of compassion for other people and wanting other people to find that place where they can feel heard and seen and received. So I thought it'd be fun to tell people before we dig in a little bit about how we connected because it was one of those universe interventions Mm -hmm. where uh, I I couldn't have seen it coming. Um, So you won a giveaway. Yeah, it's like it's like a really like old fashioned meet cute, like from a movie, <laughs> isn't it? It's like just one of those things that might you read about or or you know, you watch in a movie. But yeah, it was so random. I won a giveaway. I saw it posted on your Instagram, I think it was, and I thought, oh wow, that would be amazing. Like look at that. There's you know, you get to win business cards and you get these beautiful illustrations and and the opportunity to do a session with Sarah. That's so cool. And I thought, oh, so I shared it a couple of times on my stories. And then I don't even, it was maybe like a week later, I woke up with all these messages saying that I'd won. And I was, yeah, I was blown away. It's pretty, I'm very thankful to the algorithm. Um, <laughs> random robot chooser he he did he did good yeah I remember <laughs> doing the random robot chooser and your name coming up and me me like screenshotting it because I always have this paranoia that someone's going to be like fix fix and <laughs> so I'm like screenshotting the proof I wonder if I still have it um oh, cool. and then we had those sessions together and um it was just immediately obvious to me that we needed to be best friends well, I've always known that, but it just, <laughs> <laughs> it just took you. Why didn't a you mention it sooner? Know. Oh my gosh! You should have just DM'd I, me I, out of the blue, like <laughs> I tried. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, as a side, you have to edit this bit out, but I actually did. I DM'd you when you were in Sydney. I think you were down in Australia, <gasps> and I DM'd you, and I was like, "Hey, Sarah, um, do you want to meet for? Co- I'll, I'll shout you a coffee sometime if you're in Sydney." It was just like a one-liner message but yeah you never read it even so rude if I, if but... I had read it I would have said yeah <laughs> and then we would have been made it got there so much sooner and now I have so much regret that I was in Australia and I didn't meet you I know damn it I know <laughs> well, next time when you know you just happened to be out this way I mean to be fair I did a Sydney insta meet and you didn't come so it's I know kind of on that you. is true I, was like, <laughs> I mean I got really scared I was like <laughs> be like lots of people there I'm, I'm leaving all of this in by the way this is color this is off the record everyone heard me say hello everyone that you're going to edit that bit out <laughs> yeah so 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 instant best friendship was formed as as all professional coaches do um and uh I think sort of at the end of maybe our sessions we were just kind of having a chat this is how I vaguely remember it and I was like I'm going to do a Substack class. And you were like, you need to call it the Substack Soiree. Mm. And I was just like, do you want to do it with me? Just felt like that was a good choice. (laughs) I remember being like so stunned after I was like, I, I don't know if she just said what I think she said. Like maybe she didn't, maybe I, I think I heard it wrong. And I was saying it to Elliot, my partner. I was like, no, no, I don't No, She didn't mean that. Like she just meant like, could she use the name or something? <laughs> I don't know. I was so confused. Oh. And then I disappeared for a few months because I was yeah. finishing other things. Um, and because we have the same brain, you and I, you, of course, just then assumed that I didn't mean it. And then I came back and said, right, let's do our class. Yes. Well, I did send some Pedro gifts in there at yeah, some point. Well. Actually, 
keep your attention. Yeah, that, that's one good. I would have forgotten otherwise. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so it was kind of a really organic process that we we both loved Substack. We both shared these values around storytelling and I already knew that I wanted to write the class, but I also knew I couldn't do it on my own. Like health-wise, I no longer could do it on my own, but also I wanted to bring in more expertise and, and different expertise to my own because I've taught social media in different ways and, not, and the whole issue of whether Substack is social media is for another day. But, I've, you know, I've taught showing up online to my audience in lots of ways already and I was really like, it needs a fresh voice in here as well. And just hearing you in those sessions there's something so vulnerable in coaching and it gives you that chance to kind of see the magic behind the creativity so I already had looked at your writing and things but then to kind of get to know you as the human I was like yeah this is just going to be a really good fit and I was right so that's good because it would have been super awkward if you turned out to be kind of a dick (laughs) yeah like what would you even have done you've been just like disappeared again and just ghosted me or something (laughs) you'd be like this chick's crazy and then done something called like the substack yeah, what? You can't even, no, there's no good, there's no name. Let's <laughs> keep you for the name alone. Oh, um, well, that's right. Yeah, so. Oh, I love hearing that. It's nice to hear the other sides, right? Um, yeah, so we wrote a class um, and it took us best part of a year from kind of initial discussions about it to getting it out into the world, our little baby. And it's yeah. up there now, so sex foray. But we also have a free page where we're sharing just resources and ideas and things we're getting excited and nerdy about about Substack. And this podcast is the newest part of that free offering. Because I think I speak for both of us when I say that we feel like Substack is the future of even if we're not calling it social media, it's the future of online presence for people like us who are those creatives the people who used to love Instagram as it was before Um, maybe you loved blogging and also for the people who just want to consume that content people who want more thoughtful more intentional content want to be inspired or educated or uplifted without having to be danced at or (laughs) (laughs) perform a preschool cabaret (laughs) so it feels like a really natural home for us and it feels like something we really want to invite other people over to, especially because I know for my audience, I'm certainly familiar that there's a level of fatigue and exhaustion and we're all a bit like, no, not another platform. What do you mean I have to start again? What do you mean I have to write long-form content? So um, we wanted to kind of lend our energy and our enthusiasm and hopefully sweep you guys up in it too. But if you're listening to this, you must already be at least Substack Curious, if not Substack Hooked. Mm. So this podcast is going to be a combination of things. We're going to be talking to a whole range of writers and creators on Substack and getting their insights and their stories. Um, And we're also going to be sharing some of our own kind of reflections and things that we think you might want to know. And we thought that we could start this week with kind of our foundational principles for how we think people like us, people like you, should be navigating Substack. And we're calling them our Ten Commandments, which is a very tongue-in-cheek thing. We're not commanding you, and you get to choose which ones of these apply to you or don't. But our hope is that they are useful ways to frame to frame your creativity and your explorations on Substack. Um, we should just get into them, and I should stop explaining them. <laughs> <laughs> it was good explaining. I was enjoying your explaining. 
Let's go with number one. You got them. Read it out for us. So number one is great writing deserves to be read. Yes. Just such a good one. I remember when we said this to each other, like we, we were having a bit of a kind of one of our like enthusiastic Substack rants and um, talking about how I remember this being on Instagram, the same thing. People would post pictures to Instagram and then be really shy and embarrassed about putting any hashtags on back when hashtags were the thing for discovery. And they'd come to like sessions with me and say, oh, but I don't want to put hashtags on. It looks too try hard. And I'd be like, but you're publishing it on the Internet. Like that's because you want people to see it. Right. You want it to be seen and it deserves to be seen. This is your creativity. This is your expression. It deserves to be seen. And I feel exactly the same about writing on Substack. Like it's OK to want your writing to be read. That doesn't mean you're some sort of narcissist. It means that you're giving your creativity the weight it deserves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I don't know why exactly we find it so hard if it's an egotistical or we're afraid we're egotistical, that if we are seen to be trying to get our stuff read or seen or noticed that somehow like we're, we're being narcissists, like you said, or somehow not being true artists or true creatives, because for some reason, those two things are not generally considered to be like you you either just write or you just create and and that's you know if, if it happens to get bought then that's just great but if you bring business into it and strategy into it then somehow you're blending two worlds which you know it's it's not pure <laughs> you know like yeah you're cheating yeah. or yeah yeah there's yeah. definitely there's those two sides there's the fear of being seen to try in public and fail mm. I think because then at least if we've not tried, we can hide behind that and be like, well, I didn't even want anyone to see it. Like I hadn't even tried. Mm. Um, but then if we do succeed and we tried, then we, yeah, we still kind of rob ourselves of any meaningful victory in that and tell ourselves that we, our work wasn't good enough on its own. Um, mm. And we disagree with all of that. Great writing yeah. deserves to be read and it needs your advocating for it. Like every bestseller ever has a whole marketing campaign behind it not because the work's not good enough just because that humans need to be told about things and sometimes convinced of things before they give them a chance and that's okay you're allowed to do that for your work yeah and it it actually makes me think of um scott fitzgerald sure Uh, don't we all (laughs) who like i mean he he created something that, you know, the great Gatsby that's now so famous and so widely acclaimed and has now been turned into a Baz Luhrmann movie, which is everybody's dream. And it's, he didn't even, like, it was a total failure in his lifetime and it deserved to be read and uh, honoured and a while, he should have been able to see that or at least some of that. That's so true. I think, and I, I, I don't know his story, whether or not he really tried to promote it and push it and market it. Like, I think it, he obviously would have done something, but yeah, like if we're not, if we're not really advocating for the work, like you say, there's a strong chance that really good work that really makes an impact on other people isn't being noticed and it isn't being, yeah, it's not creating the impact it was meant to. Yeah. Well, I'm writing this from Bronte country. In fact, I would, normally I can see the hills out of my window, but it's so misty today, I can see nothing. Um, oh. But thinking of the Bronte sisters who had to get their work published under male names originally. Oh, yeah. Like, 
the self-belief it must take to do that to go well my work deserves to be read so much that I have yeah that I yeah. that is okay for me to to have to take a male name because that's the only way I can navigate this system like that's the energy we need to bring to mm-hmm. our own creativity and have that faith in it I love that that's such a good example yeah I love that okay so number one is great writing deserves to be read and your writing is great I feel like that's there in brackets even if you don't think it is it is which brings us to number two so number two is creativity comes first so with this one we really wanted I guess again it's about avoiding some of the pitfalls and traps that we've seen people make on platforms like Instagram where our creativity has kind of had to take a back seat to strategy to people pleasing to audience pleasing to audience capture would you agree absolutely yes 100% I saw that a lot with email marketing that's the first example that comes to mind that when I would be writing emails for people and uh, particularly sales emails or launch emails and I always felt like even if you're marketing something or promoting something I wanted to write something with story and create and start with the story and then bring in other other sales techniques into it. But I remember for a while there, a lot of the stories were being removed and edited out because the emails were being it was like it, being directed to be just really short, really short, really punchy, really just get straight to it. And I'm like, but then they're just a sales email. Mm-hmm. Then there is no creativity. And then I'm sitting down to write something that I feel like a robot could write, not and there's no personality in it. There's no like, uh, like telling. There's no inside information into into that entrepreneur's life or that that leader's life that makes it feel like relatable and enjoyable. So I think that's where creativity just took a backseat. It was like, no, it's not. It doesn't belong here, which just felt really wrong. Yeah, and it, I think we we've, we've put this on the commandments because there's still a danger of us all doing that wherever we're showing up, and Substack is included in that. Um, And it can be a really slow creep where you start writing really broadly and give yourself permission to just follow your creativity. But you notice certain posts perform better. So then you sort of go, oh, it makes sense to write more about that. People are really interested, which is a good instinct. And you write more and more about that. And then gradually you get to this place where you start to think, well, hang on, if I write about this other thing, I know it's not going to perform as well. I might lose subscribers. Like people don't want that from me. And very gradually you start to kind of suppress your creativity and suppress the freedom to kind of play around and discover. And if I've learned anything in my whole career and life, it's that we just have to follow those creative rabbit holes. And sometimes they're dead ends and sometimes they take us to an amazing place we didn't even know existed. But you have to stay free and open to exploring them. So creativity comes first, keeping that as kind of a bit of a mantra for showing up on Substack and, and, and allowing ourselves to kind of still strategize and play around with those things, but not at the sacrifice of our creativity. That's spot on. And I think it also leads into that concept of audience capture and being being arrested by what the audience wants of you rather than what you're wanting to put out there. And and like you say, that could happen to all of us or any of us. I mean, we we could on Substack decide, okay, well, people really liked our branding stuff. We kind of we kind of get branding and we like branding. So maybe we could just become the branding people on Substack. Yeah. But that's not what we want to do, even though we could build an audience around that. And the audience is asking for that. 
but yeah. that's not what we want to show up and do. So we choose to honor our creativity and go, no, we're feeling led to do this and to offer this. And branding's only one part of that. It's not the whole thing. And I've had so many conversations with clients who initially had amazing success online by really leaning into the thing people wanted from them, but then reached that point where it's just not sustainable because back to kind of the marketing emails, like you said, the fuel that gets us to sit down and do it is the creativity, is the need for expression, is the stories, is that human need to be seen and heard. And if we strip that away sooner or later, it's just going to be burnout because we're just asking ourselves to create from like an empty reservoir, I guess. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Sticking 100%. creativity comes first. Everything else comes after that. I think that's really yeah. important. Yeah. Wherever you are online in any, yeah, I would say. Not yeah. Just. Yeah. Whatever you're doing in life. Hit us with number three then. So number three is to grow through content, not through strategies. Which maybe sounds awfully similar to everything we've just said, but I do think it was worth having as a separate point because it's very easy, especially when you land on a new platform to go straight to Google and be like, okay, how do I do this? How do I grow? What are the tips and tricks? What are the strategies? And I have a very like nerdy strategy brain. I love to talk about this stuff, but on Substack in particular, but I would say anywhere, you want to be known for the quality of your work. You want to grow an audience because your work deserves it not because you were in notes every day, like grabbing people and trying to make them come over or not because you gained the system or not because of any of those things. Like that's not an audience that's going to stick around. That's not an audience you can leverage into anything else. That's not going to be something that's, that's monetizable or anything like that. You want an audience that's there because your work speaks to them. And so mm -hmm. the first thing I say to everyone when they're like, how do I grow on Substack? how do I build an audience online is I always just say, well, just make the best content you can like put out mm. what you want. Because the truth is like, if you put out the right content and it resonates, it doesn't matter. You could be writing it on MySpace, and people will find it and share it and it will take off. And to add to that, I would say that giving yourself the chance to grow through the content you're creating, especially if you're just moving over to Substack and it's a new space for you. And you're, even if you have a large audience, but you're pulling them over to this new space and you're finding your creativity in long form content again and in all the different avenues that are available to express your creativity through in Substack, like podcasts and video and images and all of that, giving yourself the time to experiment and play and figure out how you like to create there and then seeing the growth come from that, that's going to be helpful because if you dive straight into strategy, you might think, okay, well, I've enjoyed these kind of strategies before, but you've not really experimented with how you want to show up in Substack itself. You might find you love long form writing again and, and you'd lost that and you, or you might really love audio and your audience might really respond to audio and giving yourself that time to play helps you learn that and get that data and that information to then inform the strategies you create for growth. Absolutely. And in the end, I think, we have a problem that a lot of us recognize of just noise online, like too much noise, people taking up space because they're told they have to, because they're churning in the Instagram, like treadmill. Um, and Substack has this real invitation about it, I think, to be more intentional and to put things out, not because you have to, but because you choose to, because you have something to say and mm. you want to play around with how you're going to say it. And so 
yeah, for me, that is a really foundational principle. I'm really glad it's on our list of like, let your content be the magic. Don't, don't, mm-hmm. don't get sucked straight into like, but how, but how, but what, you know, what are the strategies? Because the content is going to do like 99% of the heavy lifting. I love that. And I think we should change that number three to literally be called that. Let your content be the magic. <laughs> okay. Well, we will then. <laughs> okay. Hit us with no, number four. Yeah. So number four is lead with generosity and never fear. This has been our mantra for the whole mm-hmm. creation of the class, hasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a good mantra just for life in general. Whenever you and I would hit a snag or like a, a kind of crossroads where we'd be like, should we do this? Should we brush this out? Should we respond to this? We'd be like, okay, but like, let's check in. What's the generous, what's the loving thing to do here? What's the thing that is like shows our love and appreciation for our audience instead Mm. of our kind of fear or our scarcity or our panic? Yes. Yeah. And we've even gone over our work before and just reread it and checked in and gone. Is it, is it, does it read with generosity or or is it coming from a place of fear? Yeah. And made sure that everything that we're writing and putting out there, that even if even if we've felt like we wanted to be responsive in a different tone, we've brought it back and said, actually, no, this is we're writing to our people and to them we're generous. And to that's that's who we're speaking to. And so we've always come back and 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 blocked out the other stuff and made sure that everything we put out there is is in coming from that place yeah because it is scary like showing up online for all of us is scary and I think we've seen so many examples in recent years of um kind of policing of how people show up online and I know so many people who have this fear of saying the wrong thing and causing Mm. a backlash inadvertently Um, And so it can be really easy to write from a very defensive place, I think, or to create from that defensive place or to do it from a very people pleasing place where you end up being quite banal and mild because you can't really give yourself permission to take a stance on anything because um, it's fear, because fear is driving you. So it can show up in so many different ways. But that idea of generosity, it means like being generous with your expectations of your audience being generous with the benefit of the doubt being generous in what you give so if you're you've got something amazingly valuable you might think well I could either charge for this or I could just give it away sometimes that's a good choice to give it away sometimes it's not I'm not suggesting you give your whole business away but you know if you're on the fence sometimes it's nice to go okay well what's the generous answer I know like even for us it was a technical issue at one point wasn't it we were trying to give away the Substack branding bundle and we were hitting the snag with welcome emails not going out and that was how we were delivering it so people had to sign up for free and they got the bundle in the welcome email and then we had this check-in where we were like okay we either continue to battle this from an admin front and it was just you were drowning in emails really bless you and then we were like wait what's the generous choice and the generous choice was so obvious it was like let's just put it up as a link and you don't have to sign up and we'd hope people will sign up but let's just lead with generosity and it it steered us right every single time and I I think it is really a really good kind of compass for showing up online in general yeah yeah and I've I've definitely found it helpful like just just in life in general and to 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 pull out the never fear bit as well that's not necessarily just about fearing the visibility or fearing backlash or things like that It, it can even be like you touched on before about holding on to what you really believe. Like if you, so there was a couple of times there where we thought, oh, if we, 
if we say this, it might make people feel like mm. we're saying they have to do this and it, we were trying to preempt how do we make it include people so that if they're not at that level, then they're still being included in this. And at the end of the day, we're like, but we believe what we believe. I can't remember what the exact example was, but we were saying, oh, I think it was about, it was in relation to whether or not we we were trying to teach people about creating containers for their creativity, but we're not, it wasn't done in a restrictive way. And we were trying to encourage people that structure helps in the creativity and things like that. And so, but we were like also trying to say, yeah, but you can just put whatever you want out there and be free and create, which is also true. But at the end of the day, if you want to be in business with it, you do need some certain structures in place. And that's what we believe. And we were trying to, to pull it back to that never fear. It's about owning that belief and owning that value. Like we value that because it helps our businesses grow. It helps profitability. It helps monetize and harness the power of our creativity so we can be paid to continue to create. And if we water that down, like you said, it just becomes this really lukewarm content we're putting out there. We're not backing behind because we're giving way to fear. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sneaky and it shows up in so many really subtle ways. Um, Not always just the like pounding anxiety at 3am. So generosity that's you can pick another word if there's something that fits better for you but for us it's really been that idea of like giving as much as we can because we believe people deserve it and it stayed as well yep so number five yeah stories aren't limited to words alone I think this is probably my favorite <laughs> I was gonna say this is pure Keely magic I I feel like you have to lead us on this one Oh no, now all my words are going to disappear. <laughs> it's just passionate about it that they all my thoughts come out at once and they try to compete with each other and just end up in a bundle on the floor and I can't access any of them. But um, stories aren't limited to words alone. It, I mean, I think I, I dived really deep into this when I was studying film and learning about subtext and how much you can tell a story without telling the audience anything and like really treating the audience with intelligence and allowing them to connect the dots and things like that and just placing things in a scene that tell part of the story without having to explicitly get the character to say that part of the story it's just there and that rewards the audience because they're piecing things together and they're coming up with solutions and and stories themselves and on somewhere like Substack, I think it can come in for interplay with things like poetry. The reason that we have poetry blocks is because then spacing and paragraph forming becomes a part of the storytelling. Like that's there because it's not just the words alone that tell the story. Mm. It's the way that it's paced. It's the way that the rhythm is presented. But then, of course, there's things like the imagery that we're using and the way that that complements the story or the words themselves. And yes, words can inspire and evoke imagery, of course, but also in this context, what we're talking about is that an image itself or a visual element can tell a thousand stories in one second. Yeah. And that's why they're so powerful. Absolutely. And and that's really true. A picture speaks a thousand words and it takes a lot longer to say or to read a thousand words. Um, and so this is really relevant as well, I think, for people who think they're not a writer or that Substack's not for them because it was originally founded as a platform to make 
writing pay for writers, but we're really seeing them kind of broaden that idea of platform now to be much more all-encompassing. There's video, there's audio, there's voice notes, there's podcasts, there's pictures, there's galleries. Um, and so thinking, okay, like, how do I want to lead? Like, how does my story best express itself? Or what's my preferred way to express myself? And if that's not long-form writing, that doesn't mean you're excluded from Substack. Um, mm-hmm. And really, you know, it kind of goes back to that... Um, growing through content growing through that magic of like I always think of it as your idea your story the thing you want to express exists in your mind and then you get to just choose how to package it everything whether it's an Instagram post or a blog post or an email or a podcast is just packaging the idea is is the thing so Substack gives you lots of different ways to package it and you kind of get to choose exactly exactly uh, just today, I saw Chris Best, who is one of the co-founders of Substack. He restacked a a visual essay into into the notes feed and was commented about how he, he you know that Substack should implement the ability to restack just an image. And I thought, well, there you go. Even Substack founders are recognizing the the power of imagery in storytelling on Substack itself, yes. and. I'll link to that visual essay because it was absolutely stunning. And there's a couple of visual artists there on Substack that just probably make me more emotional <laughs> and have more impact on me than a lot of the the writing that I read because, for me, I'm a visual person, so there's probably a lot of people that um, also would would be be really moved by visual essays and things like yeah. that as well. Yeah, and we, we collated some – I'll put the link in the show notes – we collated some examples in – a free post that we put up on the soiree page as well, didn't we, of, like, other things other than just writing that you can do. And, and you know, people who are putting their music on Substack or, like, their their vlogs or, like, just all sorts of really creative things are happening. And I feel like that's a list we could constantly update as we discover yeah. amazing creators on there, like people who were just sharing recipes and there's there's all sorts. And, and there's still story behind all of it. So yeah, it doesn't have to just be... The thing that you think of when you maybe think of Substack. Exactly. Yeah. So that leads us really well into number six, which is there's no wrong way to show up. Uh, yes. So funny how we have this instinct now. Straight away, people are like, well, how many times a week should I post? And like, how long should a post be? Should it have this format? Does it need this paragraph? Where should the subscribe buttons go? And it's such a delicate thing because there are there are strategic answers to all of those things. They're not quote unquote right or wrong answers, but they are like data led answers to those things for sure. But Mm. letting go of this idea that there's a right way to show up and that you have to know it before you're allowed to take up space is really, really important because the only real way to get meaningful data on those things is to play around with it with your audience and figure out what works for you, for your body, for your creativity, for your schedule, and also for your audience in all of those ways as well. So there's no point in someone else saying, well, my audience love it if I send them three a week, you know, but your audience might have a completely different rhythm to their life. So in that one, that's just one very specific example, I think, of like the right way to show up. It goes far, far broader, but noticing straight away for those answers like a rule book we want someone to tell us what the right and wrong ways are and it's all about trying to prevent ourselves from making mistakes I guess and and trying to either shortcut to the good stuff or skip around 
the bits that feel a little bit like failure. Yeah. And it's strange because I think we have these two, this two pronged thought where on one hand, we want to be completely free and be able to show up and create and whatever, and just do whatever. But on the other hand, we also really want to be told how, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and there's this sort of balance that we need to find between the two. And, And on one day we might lean way more on one side than the other, but on the whole, there is this dichotomy of of us wanting both. And I think it's like exactly like you said, we just want to feel safe. We want someone to say, this is the right way, do this, so that then we don't make mistakes. But then at the same time, if someone told us do this, we'd be like, no, I do what I want. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you can't tell me. Um, It's sort of of strange sort of. Like a uh, dichotomy, is it? Is it a dichotomy? Yeah, uh, I think that's the right way. Yeah, I think I said. And I'm even aware, like, as we say this, that we are are presenting a list of 10 ways to show up on Substack. Like, this is the right way to do it. Um, And hopefully you're hearing and feeling that these are actually really sort of open and invitational and they are not like, if you don't follow our 10 commandments, you're Substacking wrong because there is no wrong unless it's not serving you. And that's, that's kind of the bottom line, I guess, for all of these is, like if it's not serving you and serving your creativity, if it's pulling you away from the things you really want to be doing online and the way you really want to be showing up, or it's pulling you away from your peace, that's the only way that it can be wrong. Um, And if you really want that, you can choose that. Like, we're not going to stop you if you want to do those things. But from experience of ourselves and definitely from my experience of coaching, it's, it's, it's not usually a path that leads us to any place good. So I think it's just that it's kind of just checking in. And when you have this sense of like, what's the right thing to do here? What's the right way for me to show up? What's the wrong way? Just being like, well, you know what, what supports me in, in showing up the way I want to show up and being the the creator I want to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And as long as it's in alignment with that, then you know your answers. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And if you are finding that you're still wanting answers it could just be that you need a a buddy to someone someone to soundboard with and and to have a community with you to help you make decisions because so much of it can honestly just be not not feeling alone in the decision making process and honestly a lot of the decisions that we do make we make and we jump and we leap and then we get the data like you said and then we go okay well that was the wrong choice (laughs) and it's really helpful when you're not doing that on your own you're not jumping and leaping on your own and you can support other people jumping and leaping too another great way to get answers to your questions like this is to take a class for example what is that way <laughs> it's like we <laughs> seamless we even plan seamless. um for example the substack soiree which is on sale now available in all good substack soiree retailers just on substack it's just on substack yes. But yeah, this, I mean, these are the principles that we've absolutely brought to the class, this idea of, like you just said, community and support and and kind of that support to make choices in a very light way, in a way that's like, these are my choices right now and I'm going to explore them and love exploring them and have so much fun and show up to them like they are 100% the right choices, but also be willing to let go of them and make different choices if they're no longer serving me. Um, and because what we've really found for so many people is we get stuck at that indecis- indecision stage, at that stage of indecision. And we can stay there for so long, right? Waiting to know, waiting to be sure, 
just playing around and not thinking it's ready to tell anyone about until we know all those answers. So if you need help shifting beyond that and, and getting your writing out into the world and making it, making your magic flow, then we recommend checking out our class. We, we do. We really do. The, we've, um, we've heard it. We've had some <laughs> glowing feedback and um, we will put the link in the show notes as well. Anyway, continuing with our list. <laughs> yeah. That leads us on to number seven, which is charge for value, not for time. Oh, this is one of my favourite rants. Um, <laughs> this is the whole thing capitalism teaches us, right? That uh, we exchange our hours for money. We go to our job and they pay us X amount per hour. And we do however much work we can frantically squeeze into that hour. And that's how our, that's how we make more money. We need more time to make more money. And for the creative arts, that's not always true and it's not necessarily a very helpful model. And it's very difficult to scale that up because you only have so many hours and we're already working probably more of them than we should be. So when you're looking at Substack and, and the possibility of monetizing your Substack, which is something we also talk a lot about in the class and we really encourage, it's so important to remember that actually what people pay for is value, not time. Like, even with something the way you think you're paying for the time, like therapy, let's say, and you're like, well, I paid for an hour. But if your therapist could get you the results of an hour in 10 minutes, you would still pay the same because it's the value. It's the thing you take away. It's the results that we're paying for. So when you're thinking about what to charge for your substack or whether to charge for your substack or what it's worth, it's really important to think about the value you're putting out into the world instead of like how long it's taking you or how much time it's going to take your audience to read it that week or how many emails, how many individual bits of content they're getting. Because that's not what makes people decide whether or not it's worth it to them. It's what they receive at the end of it and everything else is packaging again. The trap of thinking that value is about volume or it's about whether that's time or or resources is that then what we, we end up giving people is a bunch of homework or a bunch of work that yes. they then need to do and we're like hard pass, I don't want that. I just want and so I think and I think we fell into the trap with that when everything the marketing started to become like make it really actionable. But I don't really want to take action on stuff because I have so much stuff I want to take action on already. I would just want results. So if you can give me, do you know what I mean? Like yes. if you can give me something that just is a result in my inbox, then you're good and I'm willing to pay for that. If you are giving me something that requires action, like it's still good, but there has to, there's a time and a place for that action. So not every single piece has to be actionable or it has to be volumes and volumes of things. So one poem to me once a week that or one writing prompt once a week or whatever it is that gets sent my way it could be one something small something valuable to me is worth me paying for that it's a value exchange not a time exchange yes yes completely or a volume exchange and also like I think it's worth remembering that people are not just sat around all day thinking about your substack like going hold up like <laughs> Keely's not emailed me for a couple of weeks and I gave her five dollars this month like well let me get out right on that and check like not to say that you should not deliver on your promises to your audience of course but that there is you know that there's grace in it and there's fluidity and there's flexibility and it's not that super commercial exchange that maybe we're more used mm -hmm. to where like you know you pay for Netflix and if Netflix wasn't there 
and there was or there was nothing to watch on Netflix, you would obviously have a right to complain. But it's different when we're supporting individuals and creators and and, and it's I often talk about like the old patron model, patron of the arts, where someone very wealthy would just pay a painter, for example, to paint so that they could afford to make painting their full-time job. And sometimes they would be creating tons of amazing work. Sometimes they would go off in a completely different tangential direction that that patron didn't like anymore. Sometimes they would go through years of depression and create nothing. But the idea of a patron is like you believe in the artist, you believe in their, in supporting their creative work. And a lot of the time when people pay for substacks, that's really what they're saying is like, I am investing in your vision. Mm, yeah. And I think it might be worth just briefly just unpacking that value a little bit for people that mm. because so many people say, but I don't have anything. I don't know what's what I've got to say that's of any value for anyone else. Like what what will other people find valuable in what I have to put out into the world? Well, first of all, you should take our class because we <laughs> We really dig down into that. But yeah, I mean, value value is anything that kind of gives someone something to take away, whether it's like it makes them smile, it distracts them for five seconds, it gives them something to think about, it makes them feel seen and heard or they relate or it reminds them of something or they feel inspired. or So it can be nothing. It can be the smallest thing. It can be a, a quote. It can be a picture of your coffee mug. It can be... Um, like a funny anecdote about falling over in the street. It can be absolutely anything. And I think we make value sometimes such a big thing. We think it has to be like a 25-page workbook or like, you know, it's got to be something that changes their life. But actually, I think really it's about giving someone a feeling. If you can give someone a feeling, an emotion, preferably a positive one or at least one that they're seeking, um, then that's a value exchange because everything mm. we do as humans constantly is either to try and move us towards a feeling we want more of or away from a feeling we want less of. And that's what we will pay for in the end, everything, whether we buy shoes or food or whatever, it's because we're trying to feel more the way we want to feel. Mm. And yeah, it reminds me of that quote, I think it was Maya Angelou that says, Pe people will forget what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yes. Similar kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So that brings us to number eight, which is promoting your work is an act of kindness. This is for all of you. This is for all of you with businesses, with products, with services who are not selling your shiz. Um, and particularly on Substack, like whether it's paid or not paid, promoting your work is not selling out. It's not being too commercial it's not being pushy it's not being a bad person it's not being coca-cola it is literally just you advocating for your work and it links back so much to those earlier points on this list but I mean both you and I Keely have seen people on Substack in notes um like criticizing other people for promoting their work or, oh, for, yeah. or for monetizing their work or for you know pub publicizing their work and we just really want to kind of stand up and say, like, we are in favor of doing all of those things because your work deserves it and creators deserve to be paid and we should be supporting one another. Not all marketing is evil. Not all sales are evil. And often the way I connect to that is to remember all the things that I am so happy that I get to pay for. The things that mm -hmm. I am just like, you know, when you go online and there's something really specific you want and you find it and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't wait for it to come. It's going to change mm -hmm. my life. 
Like, if that person hadn't marketed their thing and I hadn't found it, they would have been doing me a disservice. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And this is another one I'm really passionate about because marketing is one of those things where it's it's like chocolate. It's told We're told it's bad for us or, or like carbs are bad for you, yeah. but actually they're good for you. It's just that it's what you do with them yes. and you can make carbs evil. <laughs> I love that analogy because I am very anti-diet culture. So, yes. (laughs) Yeah, and we need carbs for fuel. Like they fuel your body, they they fuel your muscles. And it's the same with marketing. Your marketing fuels your business. Your marketing fuels your your very willingness or your motivation to get up and sit in front of a blank cursor staring at you, blinking at you, not blank screen, sorry, with a blinking cursor staring at you to do the work. If, you're, if we're constantly hearing crickets or seeing tumbleweeds, we're not going to want to keep creating. And then there's this, there are like, there are answers inside of you that people need, or there are solutions or innovation or stories that are going to change someone's day or potentially their life. Like if they hear that something's possible for you because it happened for you, and then you talk about it and share it and you show them the way, whether that's through a course or a product or whatever, and you're giving that to them, that's going to be life-giving to them. And if we keep that to ourselves or we're shamed and told not to market, then those answers never get, they never get given. They never get the chance to be received. And that makes me mad. I completely, completely agree. And I like, just think where you would be if your favorite author or your favorite musician or your favorite movie had never had any marketing and you'd never discovered it and like the impact that would have on your life. And, and it's such a difficult thing because we live in a capitalist world where a lot of us hold less capitalist values. Um, but, you know, the extremes that we are used to being exposed to do not represent the only options. And there are ways to show up and advocate for your work and sell your work soulfully and lovingly and with generosity for yourself and for your audience. And, um, yeah, both Keely and I are very passionate about that. Yes. And, yeah, exactly. And that's not because it's not to say that there aren't really dodgy and toxic marketing options out there. There are. There really are. And it it can feel like psychological warfare and there are people who advocate for that in in all spaces, (laughs) including the creator space. Um, Yeah. But... That isn't what we're about. That's not what Substack's about. Substack have really kind of openly, you know, they want their writers to make money. That's how they survive as well. If you sell your work through Substack, you also allow Substack to continue existing. And I found in my own business, the more I sell my work, the more I can then afford to hire other creatives to do things within my business, the more I can, you know, help other people's businesses take off. Like it is a beautiful thing. It's not all um, corporate boardrooms and billionaires on yards. Not yet, anyway. I'm working my way. <laughs> well, maybe one day. That'll be, You're that'll be fun. Yeah. But, yeah, so marketing isn't evil and neither is branding, I would say. I think they oh they both yeah. have the opportunity to be an extension of your storytelling. So your marketing can be a part of your storytelling, not just a, a sales-specific, alone, like only ads kind of thing. It can be a part of your storytelling in a really powerful way. And it's the same with branding. It's just an extension of what you're telling online. Yeah, but anyway, I could keep rambling about that. I think. Oh my gosh, branding! <laughs> let's do a whole episode in future on why branding. Well, I think we have a very special visible. guest coming up soon for oh, that. Do we? we have a? We have someone who will have much to say on this topic. Much, 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 much. So, uh, hit subscribe. 
Yeah, so you can hear. Or else you might miss it. Okay, what number are we at? So now we're up to number nine, which is aim for excellence, not perfection. Yes. This I talk about this in the class as like B level work, you know, like a B grade. That's good. That's good enough. Get it out, get it up. Um I really fall into this trap sometimes. In fact, one of the traps I fell into, I remember, is um, I was writing very merrily for my substack. I was feeling really good. And then I read one from Farah Store, who um, has been on my podcast, and she, she works at Substack as a like, head of writer partnerships. And in one of hers, she was like, you know, I spent hours every week writing this essay for you. Um, please consider paying me, which was a great message. And I was like, shit, it doesn't take me hours every week. Like, I I just write this as, like, a stream of consciousness and press publish. And I got so in my own head about it. And, again, this is going back to that, like, time and value thing as well. But so in my head mm. about um, whether I deserve to take up space, whether whether I was, like, proofreading it tightly enough, whether it was good enough, whether, you know, it was excellent enough. Because Farah's work is excellent. She's got a magazine background. She's been an editor, like she is so on it her stuff is professional level all the time and then you know you can look back on your own thing and be like oh my gosh I can see so many typos that I missed or like slight errors um and yeah reminding myself b level is good enough because 90% of people will be very happy with b level and going back to that idea of like it's the story that counts as long as you have packaged it in a way that people can receive the message, it doesn't matter. Like I did a degree in linguistics and this whole idea of it, as long as you get your message across, it doesn't actually matter about whether the grammar is perfect or the language is consistent or, you know, as long as it's received, then it's done its job. Mm. Yeah. And I, I just feel like life is too short to be obsessing over typos. Like I think there is a level of excellence we can have in our work that it's legible and clear. And yes, if we can get rid of typos, that's great. But if there are occasional mistakes and things like that, I don't think we need to be losing sleep over it. Um, there's, um, I think there are levels of excellence as well. So, and, and like excellence is season specific. So excellence for a mum with a newborn baby or a dad with two children under the age of three is going to be different than excellence for someone who's an ex-journalist and has a full-time job just writing and from working from home yes. and is able to spend that time doing that. Their level of excellence is going to be different. It's going to look a lot different. You probably would be less forgiving for typos and things like that on someone's work that that really was in a space where they could maybe do that and pay more attention to that. That's true. You, you build an audience with those expectations kind of baked in, don't you? So if you yeah. are writing a substack for type A people who are obsessed with there being no typos, then you better not have any typos in your substack um, versus if you're writing a substack for uh, other stressed out mums of many children, then you might have a foundational sort of core principle that, it's okay to be human. Yeah. And I think the, the, the reason this is such a big deal is because it will actually stop us from posting. Like it's not just about worrying about the typos really, is it? It's about like, did you end up posting that article? Nope. It sits in my drafts even now. But <laughs> <laughs> like, what good is that? Do? So perfection is a problem because it arrests us and it freezes us. And, uh, there's an amazing um, chick online whose name escapes me right now. I'll find it. But she said uh, we're catfished by perfectionism because perfectionism says to us, 
it's possible. Yeah. Perfection is possible, but it's completely not. Like it's it's never attainable. And so we think, oh, but it, but it is, it totally is. So, and we think if, if I can't make it perfect, but it's not if we can't make it perfect, it's when it's not perfect. It's not going to ever be perfect. So we just need to be free to put stuff out there. And I was the worst at this. I remember studying in year, uh, I think it was like year 12, uh, which here in Canberra is called college. And I was doing a psychology major and I was really good at psychology and I did really well in my exams and sub uh, projects and stuff. But because I had done so well and I always expected that of myself, there was one project where I was like, I could not devote the time and capacity that I wanted to, to make it perfect, <laughs> what I consider to be good enough. So I just didn't submit anything. Mm-hmm. I'd rather get a zero than not get my whatever mark I was used to getting, my high distinction or whatever. I was like, no, I'm going to get zero. I'd rather get zero than get less than what I it was considered to be my best, which is ridiculous because it brought down my whole average. Yeah. So stupid. There was no strategy there. But that perfectionism <laughs> is just fear. And and this, you know, so many of us hide behind it and go, I'm just such a perfectionist. And it's kind of like a bit of a humble brag, like, you know, because what it implies is like, I just have super high standards, but it's not that. Because why do we want it to be perfect? Because we want to control how it's received. Because we think if it's got typos in, people will think that we're sloppy or that we're stupid or that we didn't realise or that we're not good enough. Because we think if we've not considered it from every angle, because if we think, you know, that it might be received a certain way, whatever the perfectionism is that we're perfecting is just about trying to control how we're received because we're frightened. And as soon as you realise that, then it makes so much sense that it stops us from doing anything because it's just fear in like a pretty dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, it in a way, it almost comes back to ego then too. Like if you're, I didn't want to submit that because I couldn't handle not doing as well or not being seen as the person that did that well. Yeah, like, well, and probably because having other people believe that you were really good at it meant you could believe you were really good at it and that felt yeah. good. And the danger was in your brain that if people, if your teachers thought, oh, she's she's kind of lost it, she's not as good, then you would have to think that too. Mm, yeah. So maybe in our own Substack publications we have to leave how it's going to be received at the door and just be about putting it out there rather than worrying at all about the, like write with intention and with the clarity of what you're trying to say but leave the reception it's just not up to us, which yeah. is actually kind of freeing. And this definitely doesn't define us. Like everyone yeah. could be completely wrong about you on the internet. and Which just, they regularly are. Right? And it doesn't, doesn't change who you are. Doesn't change <laughs> another episode. a single thing about you. So, yeah, um, down with perfectionism. Just and, and striving for excellence because it's not about going to just throw any old crap up. Like, you know, just who even cares? That's not what no. we're saying. Like do your best always put your best out there because your audience is worth it and your work is worth it but know when it's good enough and then let go Mm. I actually really love how a lot of these tie into each other as well because that's it's it's about one of our earlier ones was about uh leading with generosity and not fear which feeds into excellence and not perfection so it's that hand in hand, we want it to be excellent which means we might just hold back on it a bit and not rush it out because we do want it to be excellent but at the same time, we're not going to hold it ransom until it's perfect because it's never going to be perfect. It's it's such a balance. It is. It's such a fine line and it, it is. I think the, the work of a creator is always asking us to kind of navigate this and it's 
in the past, at least, creators were often much more separate from the audience. You wrote a novel, you sent it off to your editor, and a year later it hit the shelves. And you never had to have that direct communication. But now, like things like Substack give us that. And it's a beautiful gift. It's so rewarding. It allows us to really dive into what we're creating and make everything so much richer and build community. But it also is very confronting and it makes complete sense. Like nothing has gone wrong if these things are showing up for you, the perfectionism and the fear Mm -hmm. and the worry, because like this is a whole new landscape. And that's kind of why we're putting these values out there as as guidance for people who are navigating it and feeling maybe a little bit lost. Mm, I love that, what you just said. It's so true. And it just means if they are showing up, it means you're stepping forward. It means you're stepping out of your comfort zone you're, you're putting work out there and you're you know you're facing all of that fear and all that stuff that comes with it so like Sarah said it's, it's a really good sign so. and you're kind of helping shape like the future of creativity because mm. the future of paid creative work like AI is here and mm. the landscape is shifting faster than I think most people realize and so like yeah being a part of it and making brave choices and finding new ways to show up is really, really crucial right now. We are building the future for creatives. And I don't think that can really be overstated. Okay, give us number 10. We're at 10 now, right? Yes. This is the most significant of them all, guys. This is the deepest one. Get ready. It really is, yeah. You do you, boo. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. It's perfect. And we come back to this a lot. I come back to it in my head all the time in the class. Um, Like, apply it, please, to everything we've said in this episode today. Apply it to everything that you read about how to show up on Substack Online, including from us. You do you. Like, if something fits badly, isn't right for you, completely jars with your worldview, whatever, drop it. Let it go. Show up differently. Do it your way. And we are cheering you on so hard for that. Like, that's what we want for you. That's, we will celebrate that. Even if it means you write your own Ten Commandments about why hours are wrong. Like, we will share <laughs> the crap out of that. Because you do you, boo. <laughs> yeah. I love that this one gives people the freedom. That, and that is why, I, I think it's number 10 here, but it's also pretty foundational. Like, it could be number one. It could be. The, at the end of every one of these sentences, you yes. know, like promoting your work as an act of act of kindness, but also you do you boo. Like it's it's always going to be a part of what we do because the the idea of getting people to feel or allowing people the space to feel free to create in whatever way feels good to them to show up in a way that feels good to them is that's our heart and however that looks, whatever the form that takes. In however long it takes you to do that, whether you share it behind a private publication or you share it loudly and proudly out for everyone to see, whatever helps you share and create is that's amazing. And that's what we want for you. There is no right, there is no wrong. You can brand till the cows come home if you want to, but also you do you boo. You don't have to. You can you can market, you can not, you can write long form, you can use visuals, you can do video, you can do podcasts, you don't have to do any of the above. You can be on Substack just to read and be around beautiful, heartfelt content, but not create any of your own. It's That's okay too. And you can never be on Substack if you really want. Mm. Although I question your choice to listen to this podcast, but <laughs> you're still welcome. <laughs> you're so welcome. Um, yeah, do you. That's all 
that's actually yeah what what every single one of these points we've made today is really trying to get at is like figure out how to be as you as possible and show up in that way because as easy as it sounds it's actually one of the hardest things to do in a world that's constantly telling us to be somebody else and to do things differently and that who we are isn't right or good enough so you do you boo is a simple sentence and a really really difficult thing to do Mm -hmm. and if it does the panic attacks do hit you at 5am because you posted that thing and it's published and you, you know, your, your nervous system is freaking out. Whatever the response is to it, you can still come back to that and say, well, I'm just doing this. I'm just finding my way here. I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it to see how it feels to show up. I'm playing, I'm experimenting. I'm just throwing sand around in the sandpit and seeing what shape it takes. And you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to explore and create. And if anyone else has a problem with that, or if you think maybe you should have done it better or done it differently, that's just one, one way to, I think, to frame it for yourself to the story you could tell yourself is that you're just, you're just having a go and seeing if it fits and you can change your mind because it's completely up to you and you get to do you. And everything is editable and everything is deletable and, Yeah, I do think like this was a freedom we felt so much more easily in the early days of the internet where it was like, I'll just throw up a blog, I'll just chuck something on Instagram, I'll see what happens. And we've all become so cautious and careful. And, you know, it's a it's a balance because it's so important, of course, that we're mindful and that we're thoughtful and that that we take into account how our work is going to be received. But at the same time, I've yet to hear this struggle showing up from anyone who actually was at risk of of causing harm right like I'm not talking if you have like secret neo-nazi beliefs then please don't do you boo but I don't think you've made it to the end of this this is not for you (laughs) (laughs) if that's if that's who you are um like I think it's okay to trust that you're a good person and it's okay to show up doing your best absolutely and I think that's what makes Substack so exciting because there is so many ways to do that. Yes, and there will be people who will receive it and support you. And if you have not yet experienced that, we would love to invite you to come along and do it. So make sure you're subscribed to the Substack Soiree, the free account. We'll make sure we link to that from here as well. And um, we'll be sharing various events coming up like free writing hours and things that you can come along to writing prompts and resources that we hope will be helpful to you but you can also find us on our own subsects and just reach out to us anytime we're always up for a chat about all of these things because we're kind of nerdy it's kind of just a bit of an obsession for us (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit yeah do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap this up Keely? um oh my gosh no pressure but like could you make it really (laughs) profound yeah like the closing statement yeah Yeah. just give people like a mic drop moment (laughs) i don't think i do okay but you have to edit that bit out no i'm leaving it in because because it's good enough keely we're striving for excellence (laughs) and not perfection but we've got to practice what we preach didn't hear my story (laughs) i will delete this (laughs) actually no don't worry it's not it's random you sure yeah it's stupid i bet it's not (laughs) it is it's a dumb example okay well we want to say thank you for listening and for 
yeah, giving us a chance to talk to you today. We hope that this has been helpful. Maybe it's resonated. Maybe it hasn't, and that's okay too. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave comments because this is on Substack. So scroll down to the comment box and tell us what you thought about it. Drop us a note, share it, whatever feels right for you. We'd love to hear and make this conversation um, a bit more reciprocal. Mm. Yeah, I'll do and do make sure you're subscribed because we have a lot of amazing guests coming up who have got all sorts of wisdom on writing and creating and sharing and Substack. So you don't want to miss it. No, definitely not. Okay. We are sending you all lots of love and yeah, we'll see you soon. See you guys. Bye.